tonight I want to talk to you about value. Value is something that's so important. And, and honestly, tonight my, my heart is to really encourage and build you. Um, Welcome to the Brave really Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, heard, we hope you're encouraged understand. and inspired by today's but message. But to help this get into the deepest part of your soul so that you never forget what I'm going to teach you tonight. Because if you can get this message so deep into your heart, I'm talking so deep that it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow, it's not going to pull this out of you. Like like God wants to deposit something so deep into your soul tonight that it doesn't matter that the best days or the worst days cannot pluck this out of your heart, that you can leave here tonight with this understanding of, of value. See, value is so important because... All of us have things in our life that we would consider to be valuable, right? And we have things in our life that we would say are valuable. We have things that we we hold on to that really we call valuable, but they're really not valuable. Like there are things in your house that you refuse to throw away because you think they're valuable, but it's really just junk. Come on. Anybody willing to admit that? I mean, I've got stuff in my house. And, and when you hold on to things that aren't valuable, but you think they're valuable, there is a word for that, and it's called hoarding. Like, and, and sometimes in, in a marriage, like there will be one person who loves to throw things away and another person who loves to hold on to things. Which one are you? Some of you are afraid to even acknowledge that. And I love it because I just created some tension in some relationships. You feel that awkward tension in the room. And and, and, in our relationship, and it depends on what it is, but there are things I love to hold on to. There's things Christina loves to hold on to. But it's amazing when it comes to value and worth. Those are words that we we, we throw around a lot. Um, Like, for example, if you have a car and your car continues to break down and you keep fixing it and putting money into it, you may come to the place where you say, you know what? This car is not worth fixing. And you put a worth on it. But then you take that same car and you give it to someone else. Someone else may say, well, you know what? That car is worth me investing money into. Your garbage could be someone else's treasure. You see, when it comes to value and when it comes to worth, value and worth all depends on who is holding the ownership to that object. Because like when it comes to my kids, when we, we clean up and my kids, they have toys everywhere. And I don't know if you have kids, but it's just like my kids do not throw away toys. And, and we were cleaning up their, um, their toys and we were in Britton's room. And Britton is my son. He's my youngest. And uh, he started freaking out because there was this, this doll that he had. Not like, not like a girly doll. It was like a doll. Like, it's like a stuffed animal. It's like a manly stuffed animal, you know? And, and, um, and I went to go throw it away. And he's like, Dad, you can't throw that away. I'm like, son, why not? He's like, that is the most, that's my favorite like, stuffed animal. I'm like, Britain, it has no eyes. Its arm is ripped off. The insides are missing. Britain, this is garbage. No, Dad, I've had this forever. You're never going to throw this away. I can just imagine my son, he's married, and I go visit him one day, and I'm like, bro, what's that little doll thing doing in your house, man, you know? Because what is junk for me is very valuable to him. Because value is all in the eyes of the one who owns it. I don't own that doll. 
I could care less about that dog. The manly dog. <laughs> that stuffed animal. Britain, his earliest memories as a child, that, that stuffed animal was in his life. So you, you can't throw that away. I mean, you get the picture. I mean, ladies, come on. I mean, I, I see the guys like nod their heads. But you understand what I'm talking about because you have closets full of clothes. But you walk in and you're like, I've got nothing to wear. <laughs> She's standing there like, I've got nothing to wear. And she looks at you with these puppy dog eyes like, can you take me shopping? And I'm like, well, I'll I'll pick something out. Hey, why don't you wear this? And why don't you throw this away? You never wear that. Don't you throw that away. I may need that someday. I may wear that. I thought you had nothing to wear. There's like 10 items. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's why we have garages that are full of things, but they're not full of our cars. Because we place value on things. And other people, they look at that and they say, that is so worthless. But not to the person who owns it. Because there's things attached to those items. Pastor David, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your value. Tonight what I want to talk about is your worth. I want to let you know something tonight that you are worth it. When it comes to your life and when it comes to your past and when it comes to your experiences in the present and when it comes to what your future can possibly look like, can I tell you that that even scripture says that you don't even own your own life. And so some of us have come into this room here tonight and, and you don't have a lot of value even in yourself. Or maybe there's someone else that you look at them and you're like, man, that person has crossed the line. They will never get there. They'll never get fixed. That will never get better. They will never change. They'll never stop saying that. They'll never stop doing that. But here's the problem. You're not the owner of that person. You're not the owner of yourself. That decision is only reserved for the person who owns humanity. And that is God. And God says this, other people may look at you, you may look at other people and say they're worthless, they're junk, you're torn, you're broken, you've made too many mistakes, but God looks at the heart of man and he says to me, you are worth it. You're valuable. What are you talking about? I've come here tonight to tell you that you are valuable to God. In fact, it says this in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. It says, long before God laid down the earth's foundations, watch this, He had you in mind. God's been thinking about you for a long time. I've got news for someone who walked up in the brave church tonight, and maybe you've not been in church for a long time. You know what? God's been been thinking about you. Oh, you came in here tonight, and man, you've got tons of problems and tons of issues. And you were even hesitant to come to church because you're like, I don't feel like a church person. Are these church people going to judge you? First of all, no. Here at Brave Church, we love you. We want to put our arms around you. And none of us are perfect. But I've come here to tell you that, that God has been, God's been thinking about you. In fact, I would go on to say that God has been preparing you for this moment tonight for a very long time. Look what he goes on to say. He had you in mind. And had settled on us as the focus of his, of his love. 
Which means that God could have put his focus on so many other things. How many of you know like God's created some amazing things? I mean, I think about the sunsets. Today we were driving this afternoon. We had an appointment downtown and we were driving back on 836, the highway from hell. And um, (laughs) we were like, how on Sunday is there rush hour traffic? And, um, And we're coming back right when the sun is setting. And man, the sky is gorgeous. Everyone in my car has their phones out and we're taking pictures of it. And I thought, God's creation is so incredible, but the sky is not the focus of his love, as beautiful as it is. I don't know if you've ever been to the mountains, and you see the mountains, and when the fog comes in, and the weather's just right, and the leaves are changing, you look at this environment, and you're like, man, this is so beautiful, God, you are so creative, you are so genius, like, you just, wow, and God says that that is not even the focus of his love. You look at the waterfalls, you look at the oceans, and you look at all of the things that God created. And God says out of everything that he created, there's only one thing that he's obsessed with. And it's you. The focus of the God of the universe's love is you. Why don't you let that sink in for a minute? That the God who, who spoke planets into earth from existence. The God who separated the earth from the sky. And then he created humans. He created humanity. And when he looked at all of his creation, I believe he looked at us and he said, man, I outdid myself. Because I haven't fallen in love with anything I've created. Except for them. I guess what this verse is saying is that out of the focus of his love, that God's been planning something great for your life. Pastor David, how do you know that? Because I don't feel like God has a plan for my life. Look what it says in the rest of scripture. That we are the focus of his love to be made whole. What does that mean? That means he he wants to put your broken pieces back together again. Even those of us who feel like we still, we, we got it all together. I'm not as bad as that person. No, you're still broke up. Turn to somebody and say, yeah, he's talking to you. Oh, come on. Just going to keep it real up in Brave Church. Let's go. 12 o'clock didn't want to say that. I love six. You guys are just raw. Pastor's talking to you. And he's made us whole. And he's made us holy by his love. And long, long ago, in a galaxy far away. I love that part. He decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And I love this. What pleasure he took in planning this. What pleasure God took in planning your life. What pleasure God has taken to get you to this point. I guess what I'm trying to say to you today is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. You were worth the trouble. (laughs) When it comes to his... His love for you, you are worth the trouble. Now, I know some of you are like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I'm not trouble. Pastor David, what are you talking about? Trouble. You're trouble. Yeah, you're right. I'm trouble. You're trouble. When it comes to God's love, God says this, you are worth it and you are worth the trouble. Well, how am I trouble to God? You know what? You have no idea all that God has had to choreograph to get you to this place. Oh, yeah, you don't think that you've been trouble for God? 
Think about how God has had to pursue you and chase you and to get you to understand how much he loves you. Think about how many times we've heard messages and then we walk out and we say, no, God, I'm going to do me. And God still says, I'm going to still chase after you. Think about how many times that we can live our life and not even think about God. But anytime we're not thinking about him, how many of you know he's still thinking about you? How many times God has been trying to get us to surrender our heart, knowing that we're not going to give it up. But God says, I'm going to be relent for you. Like you see, you don't understand. This is what God is saying. It's, I don't have a transactional love for you like other humans do. It's called unconditional. It doesn't matter how many times you reject me, walk away from me. I'm not going anywhere. You can't get rid of me that quick. You can't run away from me. I'm coming after you. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. How many times you run away? I'm coming for you. You see, many of us, we keep God at a distance because we expect him to run because everyone else in our life did. And when we put other people's love to the test, they ran. But God says, when you put me to the test, I don't run from you. Oh, baby, I run to you. And I come closer to you. And I'm going to... Come on, somebody needs to get excited over the fact that we serve a God who runs after us, who pursues us. We are worth the trouble. We're worth the trouble. God says you're worth me working through your crazy personality because you're quirky, borderline weird. (laughs) I I close my eyes when I say that because I don't want anyone to think I'm talking to them. (laughs) God says you were worth the trouble when you were so stubborn. Anyone ever been stubborn? God says you were worth the trouble when you were rebellious. Anybody ever been rebellious? You see value. To the owner, it says you're worth the trouble. To someone who is not into cars, to put an engine together into a classic Corvette is a lot of trouble. But to someone who loves cars, man, give me an engine that's completely destroyed and let me build it and put it together again. See, if you're the owner of it, I've got no interest in building cars. But I've been around guys who love mechanics and things like that. I can't even change my oil. Do I lose my man card for that? Don't answer that. I don't. I don't. I don't know how. Before you judge me and hate me, just volunteer to teach me. Let's go. No, no, never mind. I don't want to learn. So, So God says this. I love taking the pieces of your life and working them together. In fact, isn't there a scripture that says that? All things work together. All things fit together for the good of those who love God, are called by his purpose. In other words, God loves to take people in Miami who come to him broken and come to him disturbed and come to him tormented and say, I will put you together. You are worth the trouble. Come on, let's give God some praise. It's good. It's good praise. How about this? How 
about this? You're not only just worth the trouble, but you're worth the inconvenience. Come on, I'm trying to get you because so many of you have so many excuses of why God can't use you. I'm just trying to debunk every myth that you've ever told yourself. Because we have been an inconvenience to God at times. I mean, think about it. Jesus is at the right hand of God in heaven. And he is being worshipped by angels. And God the Father says, we have got to rescue humanity. Because they've sinned and they're so far from God. And look at how evil they are. And it would be so easy just to wipe them out in judgment. But I love them. They're my focus of my love. So Jesus is like, well, what do we have to do? We have to provide a sacrifice. It needs to be a perfect sacrifice, right, Dad? Yeah. A blameless one? Yeah. There's only one person that can take that place. It's me. And so Jesus allows himself to go from heaven, from going from royalty, going from being the fame of heaven where angels are worshiping him and angels are glorifying him and all of heaven rejoices about Jesus and he leaves fame for poverty. Remember the Christmas story? He's born in a manger. His parents, Mary and Joseph, are so broke they can't even afford a hotel. So he's born in a trough where horses and, and, and donkeys will, will drink out of. And he trades glory for disgusting. I would say that's an inconvenience. He goes from a place where angels are worshiping his name to a place here on earth where not only do we care less about his name, but we invent new ways to take his name in vain, now even using his name with other curse words. What an inconvenience. I mean, thank God that you and I are not God, right? Because I'd be like, really? You're going to GD me when I just left everything in heaven for you? You're done. <laughs> Boom. But yet Jesus says this, no, 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 no. They're worth the inconvenience. I'll leave heaven. I'll leave my home. I'll leave my fame. I'll leave my status. I'll leave all of that. And I'll go and be born in a manger to some teenage girl who's trying to get her husband to believe that she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to grow up in a place where not only do they hate me, but they're going to make fun of me. And they are going to eventually kill me. It's an inconvenience. But God loves you so much, brave church. You have to understand. He said you're worth the inconvenience. You're worth it. You're worth the trouble. You're worth the inconvenience. But not only that, number three, you are worth. You're worth the pain. This is where like, we, we, we have a hard time wrapping our arms around this. Why would God love us so much that he would give his only son to die for us? Pastor David, what kind of pain did he He was beat and flicked on him. Well, Scripture says this, he was crucified. But before he was crucified, he was beaten beyond recognition. Cat of nine tails on his back, and they brutalized him, and they murdered him, and they pulled out his beard and his hair, and they beat on him, and they spit on him, and they, they, they put crowns of thorns on him, and they did things to him that probably even Scripture just left out because our human minds, we would not even be able to grapple with it, but they abused him in every way that you could possibly imagine, and Jesus left heaven for that 
And he did it for you and I. Which tells me that we were worth the pain. Like when he is stretched out on the cross and there are, they're nailing his hands and they're nailing his feet. He could have called legions of angels. He could have called all of heaven to come rescue him. Just to prove. In fact, they begin to mock him and say, come on, prove that you are God. But he didn't do it. He could have sent just 10 angels. I mean, he could have called hundreds of thousands, but he could have just sent 10 to say, come on, guys, show them, show them what's up. But when he's on that cross, he's thinking about you, sir. He was thinking about you in this moment. And he said, I can't get off this cross, not because I'm not able to, but because they are worth it. You have to understand something tonight. He knew that you would be in this church tonight. He knew that the gospel would be preached in Miami and Westchester. And he knew that you would have an opportunity to receive his love. And he said, I've got to stay on this cross because when they come into that church, they're going to hear about my love and they're worth it. So this Christmas, before you think and you get caught up into the lights and and because here's what I know is that at Christmas time, they say that depression goes high. They say that people just get just just discouraged and just overwhelmed with emotions. And that's at the season of lights, man. But suicide rates are up and all of this stuff is happening. And I, I guess there's a part of me even watching Pete Davidson. And he. Tweeted out and he posted on Instagram. He doesn't want to live anymore. And we see Hollywood celebrities that have all the money. They have all the fame. They have all the things that you and I think that we really desire to make us happy. And it's not fulfilling to them. And I just wonder if it would help somebody here tonight. If you just understood how valuable you really are. Because you don't even have to be a loner to feel alone. You can be sitting at your Christmas table with all your friends and family and still feel very lonely. How do you know that? Because they say pastors are the loneliest people on the planet. And yet we stand in front of crowds of people. Walk into rooms and, hey. Surrounded by people all the time. Because I believe loneliness, a great deal of it has to deal with you and I understanding our worth and our value. And if someone came into this room tonight to hear nothing else but this, I need you to hear this. That if no one else loved you except for God, that is enough. That is enough. I guess in essence what I'm trying to say, fill this in in your notes, number four is this. You're worth it all. You're worth all that he did for us. In fact, scripture says this in Romans chapter 5. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. Is this okay? Yeah. Thank you. One of us. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to preach right here, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says this. Christ arrives at the right time. He's right on time to make this happen. Man, I read verse 6 and I'm like, make what happen? Let's go. This purpose, encouraging, building your life. Christ arrived just in time to take your life and reposition you here tonight. He came at the right time. Some of you came here tonight thinking, man, if God had only shown up sooner, God is never late. But he's never early. 
He comes right on time. Just because you thought he was late, God is not late. He said, I'm here and I'm here now. I'm right on time for God. Let me tell you something. God's here tonight and he's on time to move in somebody's life. If there's somebody in this room with just a little bit of faith to understand that God can take you from where you are to the next step. Or is anybody here tonight? You say, God, I'm ready to go to the next level. Look what he says. He did it and he doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were too weak and too rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Man, I love this verse. Oh God, thank you for writing this verse just for me. Okay, for you too, but come on. And even if we had not been so weak, person worth dying for. I mean, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But watch this. But God put his love on the line. Pause for a moment. How did God put his love on the line? Let me break scripture open and explain it. He put his love on the line because there was no guarantee that you would ever love him back the way he loves you. There was no guarantee. In other words, what he's saying is he put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. In other words, what scripture is really trying to convey, if I can get some keys to come up, is simply this. When you look at the trade-off of Jesus for us, you and me, experts would call that a bad investment. Right? Because you want to invest in something where you are guaranteed a return. How many of you know you're not going to take your money and put it in the bank and then they tell you, oh, before you leave, it may not be here tomorrow. I mean, you're like, I'm going to another bank. Or, or, or investing your money in something else or investing your time with, that, that would be a bad investment. But God put everything on the line. In other words, he took all of the chips and he went all in with us. With no guarantee. That we would go all in with him. And you know what the most beautiful part about that is? He was good with that. He said, I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to trade my best for their very worst. And even if they don't love me back, they're still worth it. Which means to the person that maybe is in this room tonight that you have no interest in God. You hear me talking about this and you're sitting there and in your own way, you're rolling your eyes and you're like, I could care less about whatever invited me. Come on. I'm only here because whatever. God says this, even if you never choose to trust me with your life, 
I wonder because everything in scripture points to this picture of of worth and value for you and I but I wonder if we've ever stopped and paused for a moment to consider that it doesn't end with us because you and I coming to the realization that we were worth all that Christ has done for us right like us embracing that and realizing that is only half the picture because the other half of it is simply this is that the way that God sees us God wants us to see them. Here's the next plank, and I've got two minutes to work this out. It's simply this. God says you are worth it, but God also wants us to realize that they are worth it. Come on, are you ready to preach back with me now? Okay, come on, I wonder if we can preach as loud when we're talking about somebody else and not about ourselves. Come on. Like, like, the reality of it is, is God says, I saw something in you. I wonder if you can receive that and see that in somebody else. Yeah. The they are worth it. Yeah. Who, who's the they? Pastor, the they are the people who aren't here yet. The they are the people still in our city that have not come into a relationship with Jesus. The they are the people that are still outside these walls who have never been in church, who have walked away from church, who are saying, God, I'll never give you a chance. God says this, you're worth it, but they're worth it. So I want you to receive this love, but I want you to give this love. All of us have a they. You have a they. None of us are exempt from this. We have a they. You have family members who don't know God. You have friends that don't know God. You have co-workers that don't know God. You have employees that don't know God. You have bosses that don't know God. You have teachers. You have students who don't know God. You have classmates that don't know God. You've got an aunt. You've got a crazy uncle that doesn't know God. You've got an abuelo who doesn't know God. You've got a grandchild who doesn't. We have a brother, a sister who doesn't know God. Those people are the they. Statistics are true in Miami. 97% of people in Miami do not know God. And I think about how many millions of people are in our city that are just waiting for a Christian to not be weird, to not be filled with a religious, legalistic spirit, but to be filled with the love of God and say, man, I don't want to just take this love and hoard it all to myself and just keep it for myself. But God, I want to show other people how much you love them, how much you care for them, that you're not an angry God, that you're not a just bad person, but you're rich in love. So who are the they? so many times we forget God when he blesses us. 
Do you remember how you were when you were addicted? Do you remember how you were when you were hopeless? Then you encountered God, and now, man, man, don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that. When I think about the lost people in our city, you know what? The thing about being lost, nobody likes being lost. I don't like being lost. Think about when you've been traveling somewhere and you get lost. You know, you take the wrong turn. You're out in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and when you're lost, you know what? You, you're like, oh my goodness, we're going to be late. We're not going to make it on time. If you're out like out in the middle of nowhere, especially like out in the central part of Florida, you're like, oh man, some redneck is going to kill me out here. <laughs> man, we took the wrong turn. Where are we going to go? And do you know what the reality is? People that are lost in our city, they don't like being lost. People are like, man, I didn't know, I didn't even know how I got here. Got into this relationship. The next thing you knew, man, my life was just going crazy. I, I was hanging out with these group of friends, and man, I was just kind of going with this crew and going with this clique. And, and man, the next thing you know, I'm doing things, I'm thinking things, I'm acting a certain way. I, I don't even know how to describe it. People don't like being lost. Pastor David, I disagree with you. People do. People enjoy sin. Oh, come on, sin is enjoyable. We, let's don't lie to ourselves. Like sin's enjoyable.
name is Jesus. I looked at that girl and I said, oh God, she was worth you coming. She was worth you dying. God, she was worth it. Our city is worth it. Our moms and dads are worth it. Our sisters, are, our brothers, our siblings are worth it. Our moms and dads are worth it. Let us never forget. tell you something else. The lost also are the hurting. The hurting, the hurting. There's a saying that I, I believe with all my heart that hurting people hurt people. And maybe some people that are like really that you can't stand in your life and they're rude and they're angry and they're, I don't necessarily believe that they're hateful people. I just believe that they're hurting Like, we need to 
must offend them. Oh, I'm so offended. Get over it. Like, my God, they cut you off. Pray for them. Your boss is rude to you. They're sabotaging you. Pray for them. They're hurting. Understand that you've been sent to your school. You've been sent to your family. You've been sent to your work as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have a right to be offended. You are called there to be a witness for God. That is our calling. That is our power. Somebody give God a shout of praise right now.
like tonight there's just a unique anointing. Let me kind of help you just feel bad if you've not been in church very long. Uh, an anointing in this context is simply saying that I, I just feel God's spirit in this room really thick, like really tangible in this room. And here's what I believe is that there's, there are times where God says this is the right moment, this is the right time, this is the right atmosphere. Six o'clock, maybe you didn't even know it, but you created an atmosphere of expectation tonight. Our 12 o'clock service, man, there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on that God couldn't flip it. Man, there is, you, you came here tonight saying, God, I, I need you to do something. And in these moments like this where the anointing, the presence of God, God can do something exponentially faster in a moment like this than at any other time. So what does that mean? In this moment, God wants to start boom, 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 putting pieces together, putting pieces together. You're going to see it begin to form right before your eyes. You're going to begin to see things happen. You're going to see doors open. You're going to see doors close. You're going to see relationships get healed. You're going to see things happen in your body and in your mind. You're going to begin to receive fresh dreams and insight from God. And in a moment like this, a surrendered heart, God says, I will take you like a fast pass, man. I'm I'm just going to get you there. But it comes as we stop running from God and say, God, I surrender. I trust you. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor David, man, I, I've been lost. Tonight I want to I give my life to God. Maybe I've been hurting. I just need God to heal me. Possibly you're here tonight and you say, I've been running. or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.